Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, January the 26th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, everyone, to Mind Shifters Radio, another edition heading right up to where we will complete the fifth year of the show, which is pretty awesome. Time flies when you're having fun. It seems like we've been doing this show forever, and yet it seems like we started doing this show just maybe a few months ago. So over 1,300 shows and archives, you're welcome to uh, go to whyagain.org and access the archives, and it'll take you right to the tools, a whole set of tools. If you haven't engaged in the first century Aramaic forgiveness process, we'll invite you to go to our website, and there is a red bullseye in the middle of the page, and if you click that bullseye, it'll open a whole series of links that will just walk you through so much awesomely powerful information. And I say awesomely powerful not because we created it, but rather we had the privilege of getting to go back to the original words of the first century Aramaic Yeshua. People call him Jesus. His name was not Hail Zeus Jesus. His name was Yeshua. And we had the honor and the opportunity Excuse me, and I feel so blessed to have been given that privilege to work. I've worked for the last 35 years with the first century Aramaic Kabor's manuscript and working to understand the how-to instructions that were given to us to embody the tool of forgiveness and to really incarnate ourselves as this awesome presence of love. You know, my background in electronics and side study in physics, when I first came across the Aramaic, it became clear to me that this was not a religious or a theological language. When you look at it 
squarely in the eye what you find in the Aramaic first century words is physics, physiology, psychology, genetics, and instructions on how to live as a human being, as love. Unfortunately, in many cases, that's been turned around and made something about some kind of a belief system and something you're supposed to believe in. Well, I'm going to offer to you, please don't believe anything we have to say. This is not about belief. The first century Aramaic was not about belief. It does speak about the power of your beliefs, but it's about having an experience. And the goal of the work is to have the experience of freeing yourself of literally the very capacity for any form of hostility or fear and returning to the truth of who you are. What is the truth of who you are? Well, if you hold a newborn child and you tap into the essence of that newborn, you will know what we're talking about experiencing. And you'll notice if you think about the time or you go back to the time that you held the newborn and you know, we've asked tens of tens of thousands of people the question, describe your newborn experience. Everybody uses a word that's some variation on the theme of love. And you'll notice that when you hold the newborn, the newborn isn't loving you. The newborn is love. You can't love anyone And no one can love you. But we can be in our newborn essence as love. I was reading a post online this morning about someone who got advice from someone in Al-Anon to abandon their drug-addicted child who ended up dead. It was just such a poor piece of advice from an individual who didn't understand the real meaning of Al-Anon and the real idea of support. We also hear this thing called tough love. And I'd offer that living as the presence of love. You know, there's nothing tough about that newborn. It's just love. There's nothing tough in being love, right? The intelligent person who stands as a space of love embraces the traumatized individual in that love. They don't cooperate with that traumatized person creating more insanity, but they don't ever withdraw the presence of love from them. And in the presence of love is where all healing occurs. Without it, it doesn't happen. You know, many times people are handed a very toxic substance, a drug, and they heal. And people say, see, this drug works. I would offer, no, it doesn't. Drugs don't produce health. It's crazy. They can change symptoms, but the healing that occurred came from the presence of the individual who was the space of love as they wrote that prescription. That's where the real healing occurred. The safety of that relationship, the space of that relationship, the presence of a practitioner who truly cares for 
and holds a space for the people that they work with. There's where the real healing occurs. The drug moves symptoms around, but the healing doesn't come from moving symptoms around. In fact, more diseases come from moving symptoms around. That's why they always say there are side effects to drugs. There are no side effects. Drugs cause diseases. That's the way it is. But if you're working with a practitioner who does not hold that space, who does not function as love, then I suggest you might want to reconsider who you're working with and seek out a practitioner who truly understands the healing process, truly understands that they can't fix anybody, but that they can be a space of that awesome support and that awesome presence of love, that they themselves have done the work required to return to that space and to function out of that space. One of our workshops we did last week was called Empowered to Heal. In that workshop, we, we talk a lot about the, what we call the law of resonance. And the law of resonance simply stated says this, that when two energy fields are in tune or in harmony with each other, there's an exchange of information between them. The stronger of the two fields transfer some of its energy to the weaker, and the weaker is strengthened as a result. If I hit the keys on a baby grand piano, and there's a second baby grand piano sitting beside it, if I open the, the top on that second baby grand, out of the hundreds of keys in that piano, the only keys that will be moving will, those, will be those that are associated with middle C. It's resonance. It's an energy exchange. If I can walk through the world especially a traumatized world, especially a place where trauma has recently or is currently taking place. If I can walk through that world and hold to the active connected space of love, then I will be empowered to heal. I'll be empowered to be the space where those who are in trauma have the energetic fields of their trauma weakened dissolved because of the presence of love. It is truly the master solvent. And if I walk through the world as trauma, then wherever I go, I'm a walking field that resonates trauma in anyone who has a matching bag of garbage. And when I find myself interacting with someone with whom I have a matching bag of garbage, and they've given me the gift of showing me my garbage, and I'm willing to actually put my big boy pants on and truly take responsibility, wow, I had a pretty intense reaction to that. Yes, that person did something that was really terrible, but why am I in pain about it? Because I've done the same terrible things. You might go back to Romans where they said, beware you who judge another, for that in which you judge another. You've been practicing the same thing. So as I learn that when I have a reaction to someone that's less than love, that it is my opportunity. And if that takes over, that's okay. And sometimes it does. It takes over and we get crazy. That's okay. That's part of the process. But if I can put into the equation, if I can train my mind to say, ah, 
I have crazy in me. Well, but look what they did. I'm only crazy because... No, no. I'm only crazy because of what's in me. When I realized that, then the person who resonated my trauma by their behavior has given me the gift. And if I can grow up and become an actual adult, then I can say, wow, what a gift. I get to see some of the trauma. Yes, they've got the middle C tuning fork that resonated in, this, me and I, in me and I went berserk. But am I willing to move in the direction of using the tool of forgiveness and remember that forgive doesn't mean let somebody else off the hook for what's happening inside of you. Forgive is the tool with which you remove. It's a removal tool, your own insanity. So if I can grow up into a space where, when that insanity resonates in me, I stop thinking and focusing and talking about that person and how terrible they were, and how they made me whatever it is that I am. And I say, thank you for showing me part of my mind. I got it. Wow. That doesn't belong in my human form. Why did I just express it? Now, the average mind would say, because of what they did. No, I expressed it because it's in my form to do that. When I realize that it's mine and I return to a responsible conversation, I own that in me and I get to dissolve that in me. I get to free myself of that. I get to remove it if I engage in the process of ownership and forgiveness. And as I do that, the part of my tissue structure in which that dis-ease energy is held, I am freed from. So we're here to be the space and hold the space for true freedom from all the insanity that has ever gone before us in our bloodline and all the insanity that has ever happened in our world. And I, as I step into that place of freedom, I do it by removing from me anything that is unlike love that never belonged in me in the first place. And when I do that, then I walk through the world tra of trauma and I am empowered to heal because I have the capacity rather than responding to someone else's trauma with trauma of my own, having freed myself, having forgiven that trauma in me, I walk through the world as an energy field that resonates only to love. And, and just by doing that, I contribute love to every person whose field I come in touch with. And we all have that in us. And so when another connects in love, game changes. And we are here to change the game on planet Earth. And we're glad that you're here to join us in doing it. Genius, Dr. Tim with us today. Say hello. He is, and he's on. Well, good, sir. How do you be today, and is there anything exciting to share with us? Well, I'm doing well, and I, um, 
I'm, I'm blessed to have exposure to these tools, and I just got another reminder this morning about how radically different these tools are from what the culture teaches. And so I had someone in my office this morning who was probably 60 years old, and as I tried to uh, suggest that they take a deep breath and feel what they were feeling in the moment, they um, erupted in anger. And and I suggested that they notice what they were feeling, and the response was even more angry. And then I suggested a, a, an alternate observation about something that was going on in their life that they were asking for help with, and they responded with sadness and hurt and blame. In this case, they were blaming me. (laughs) And it went on and on, uh, and I kept trying to reassure the person that I understood that what we were discussing is radically different than everything they've thought and been taught by their culture and their family prior to this, And as such, it may hold the opportunity for an entirely different outcome than they've had their whole life and what what brought them into the session to begin with. And the response was more anger. So um, it, it is not an easy thing to completely question everything I was taught by my culture, and it is not something that I was able to see the full benefit of and gain mastery of in the first five or seven years that I had exposure to the material, and that allowed me to stay in a relatively gentle, loving space, even though the person was getting more and more agitated. Um, And that's my offering for today, is that this is a big departure from what my culture taught me. And it's even a big departure from what I learned in getting a doctorate in clinical psychology. So uh, it's, from my experience, it was worth the effort to question everything that I had been taught and had modeled for me prior to this being exposed to this work. It's paid huge dividends. And at the same time, I can understand how some people are afraid to go there or get offended at the thought of questioning everything they've been taught. Well, it sounds like, uh, Tim, you got to play John the Baptist, or I guess it would be Tim the Baptist. And, you know, that that scriptural story is, is so powerful when you understand the metaphor of it that when somebody's in blockage of truth, and, of course, somebody who's in, in that much anger is using anger as a drug to cover something that they don't want to deal with, and so when you show up facing them with truth, their stress goes up. And, and oftentimes, just like with John the Baptist, you know, they, they called him the raving maniac in the desert and the forerunner to the Christ. And, and nothing religious about that. The desert is a code word for the unconscious, and the Christ is a code word for living as love. And so when you invite somebody to live as love and you give them the opportunity to bring up what it is in them that prevents that, which is their unconscious is in their desert. 
those who want to live in denial and blockage of truth uh, need to puke on you. And, so, and, of course, I've been there a few times myself and, uh, and understand the process. I've actually done it from the other side a few times myself. So it's, uh, it's certainly a learning opportunity to do. And uh, one of the things I really appreciate about you, Tim, is your wisdom and, uh, and how you bring things forward. And I noticed that lately we've had several shows where uh, we go right to the phone line and, and don't hear from Dr. Tim. And uh, I personally have been missing uh, your input in in those shows, and I would really love to, uh, even if there's a caller waiting, I'd really love to get at least a, a few minutes of your conversation because it always uh, carries a gift for everybody, and uh, and we appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. I I enjoy what I learn listening to you each time, and I have... Um, really improved as a therapist since being exposed to the radio show because I view your work as a master and my definition for that is someone who has agreed to become a perpetually avid student and so since you're constantly open to prayer and meditation and asking to be shown and learning you're a master in that level. And I have gleaned over the past five years many wonderful little refinements to the therapeutic process, to staying in the space of love in a relationship, to holding the space of love and being able to monitor the upset that might get resonated in me. And... Along with that, I have watched you masterfully work with people in their upset and keep a focus on the process rather than the content that helps people make shifts. And so I'm, I'm enjoying it every time I say, let's go to the phone and somebody's on and there's a call and I get to just sit back and listen and watch a master at work. Well, thank you for the acknowledgement and uh, a huge ditto. <laughs> and that's why I like to hear from you, too, because you've always got a piece of insight and a, a twist that just opens another space. And, and as, you know, you're sharing and I share the same, people say things like, gee, you've been doing this for 45, 50 years and you're not finished yet. You're still learning. And this is one of the pieces that I got from you is, well, you know, if we live in an infinite universe, obviously growth has got to be infinite, <laughs> and and it is. And when we are willing to be the perpetual student, I, you know, I, I, I do the Y workshop, and last night I did. Jeannie actually did the Y workshop last night. I did the. I got to be her assistant. I did the two questions, and uh, and she did the Y workshop, and then I did a couple of minutes at the end, and you know, it's just after having done that workshop sometimes three times in a day and having done it for 35 years, created it originally, it always has another gift to give. You know, it's just, it, it, it amazes me. How can I learn another piece from this? And, and people you know, will, will say like, well, gee, I've heard you've done this for 35 years. Doesn't it get old? You, you seem to be really excited about it. It's like, yeah, I'm excited about it every time I teach it because there's always another, sometimes just a, the tiniest little piece that opens 
that makes the puzzle more complete. And it's like, ah, that's another piece of it. So I hear you loud and clear. And uh, so here we've got a mutual admiration society going. How cool is that? <laughs> well, I think it's wonderful. And, and I think that for people who want an insight into this, October 14th show, I think I said it the best it's ever come out of me when talking about people wanting to put somebody on a pedestal or having them as a role model. And I I highly recommend it. The entire show, I think, was useful. And there's a a specific segment that I think I've pared down to 10 minutes or 6 minutes specifically talking about wanting to use somebody else as a role model and the idea that it isn't me as a person that that is useful as a role model. It's when I agree to be questioning in the moment, to be open, to be taught, to hold a space of love and let love in that moment teach me and let things flow through me, that's what's desirable. And then the other one that happened was December 30th when there was a show where nobody called in and some stuff flowed out of me integrating Michael Rice's work, Way of Mastery, Guy Finley, Krishnamurti, and I have listened to that show and gotten new pieces out of it numerous times since then. So it, it, it's, it, as we've talked about, I don't do this, but the, the force, the Father within me, the life, the love within me can do all kinds of things, as you were talking about in the intro. It's the love that heals. It's the body-mind-energy system that heals when it's allowed access to the source of life and that loving energy or that creative force, whatever you want to call it. And so that's one one more quick offering. It's great to listen to the calls when they come in and your response because most of the time you're able to just take a breath, ask to be shown what to say and how to respond, and it's rich with stuff that flows out of you. And I know it's not you doing it, it's love answering the call. Absolutely. And I love, uh, I, think, I think it was Emerson that said, and you know, I took his advice to heart years ago when I first heard it, and uh, and that was where he says, you got to get your bloated nothingness out of the way. If if we think we can figure it out and do it out of our heads, that's crazy. And and to recognize whatever. And and I, of course, Einstein is another one who models for me. And he says ninety percent of his work was intuition. And imagination, he says, is more important than knowledge. And when you when you think about Einstein, he was in Germany during a war as a Jew. And he had no laboratory facilities. He carried out all of his his experiments in his imagination. And yet, science says, oh, imagination, that's silly. I mean, here's one of the greatest scientific minds of all time that said it was more important than knowledge. And uh, so, you know, taking a lead from the true geniuses, we too, and, and of course the, the genius of Yeshua who put this whole forgiveness tool together and, and followed it up, with, in essence, I'm going to paraphrase, but don't put me on a pedestal. The things I do, you can do and greater. But what does most everybody want to do? They want to cut off their true original connection to source 
which is what he said he came to do for us, was connect us to that and follow his connection, not his thing. That's the, that's the religions that do that, that want power over people, and, and you have to do it my way as opposed to, well, here are the tools and remember that. He said, I come to bring you life more and life more abundantly, and I'm going to do it by connecting you with what I call, as you just shared, my father, the creator. And you have that direct connection. You don't have to come through me. Many religions tell us we have to go through him. And he is the way shower. He is the one who said, here is how it's done. And most of the world ignored the how. And the Greeks basically disappeared the how and just said, here you go. Worship at this shrine as opposed to understand the how. And that's the big appreciation I have for having gotten to work with the Kabor's manuscript in the first century words of Yeshua to, to get to the how that he gave for being in that true original space of love. And, and hopefully we'll get to the point where we'll get there 24, seven, 365. <laughs> and when we're not, you know, the, the, uh, the gentleman you're talking about and for anyone who, you know, perhaps has seen yourself in that position or, you know, maybe you're there today. I think it's really important to recognize that whenever one is using hostility in any of its forms, sarcasm, rage, whatever, that that's actually a drug that's covering something painful. And when somebody's using a drug that's covering something painful, as with you, Tim, in this uh, in this gentleman's presence. What does he do? He pours his drug on you, and, and his conversation's all about you instead of stopping and coming back to a conversation about himself and recognizing that he is the active presence of love, and who knows what kind of trauma lays within him that he has no idea how to access, how to soften into, and forgive, remove from his structure. But, you know, I found over the years that I've seen it take in, in one case that I think of in particular, and it's probably the longest, you know, distinct case. There may be another ones that I, I didn't notice so much, but I remember one particular case where there was a woman, and it was 10 years later that she came back. And that seed that was planted 10 years earlier took that long to root, and she came back and it's like, what was that you said? Tell me that again. <laughs> I want to hear it. So I'll, I'll hold that, uh, that the client you were talking with, um, the seed grows, and and if they're ready sooner rather than later to free themselves of the drug of hostility, that internally produced drug. And, of course, it's a tough one to break free from, uh, if, if anybody's out there that hasn't noticed, because it's free. And the supplier's internal. You can't just say, I'm not going to the liquor store anymore. Uh, and, it, and it's a freebie. And I, I suggest to people who are hostility addicts that you enter a 12-step program and you got to stop using because if you use, it just slides right back to where it becomes a drug of choice. So it's a, it's a challenging drug to get free from, especially if we come from generations and generations and generations of ragers, which, you know, if you look at how many people we've murdered on the planet in the last 75 years, there aren't too many people who haven't been touched by that kind of rage, that kind of pain, that kind of trauma. And so we're here to hold the space for healing, to be empowered to heal and to turn our conversation back to ourselves so that 
in every response we can actually we're we're conscious enough to respond as love and say words that are flowing from that state of being in us and it's just such a powerful place to move toward to keep moving toward don't know if anybody including myself is there all the time yet but to just keep moving towards that and to recognize that if I stop having conversations and thoughts about you when I'm in some sort of hostility or fear, if I start having a conversation about myself, then I'll free myself of that hostility or fear. And the next time that place in me is touched, the pain of it won't be there and I'll be able to to function as this gentle, sweet space of love that we all started out as. Again, hold the newborn. That's in all of us. So, Awesome, awesome, awesome to understand and to uh, to just you know I I think about it so often uh, in in tears of appreciation for the gift we've been given. It's just poof, so huge, so huge. I agree. So Jeannie, yeah, Jeannie, do we have anybody in the chat room with a question or a thought for us? Anything to be aware of, or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up? Well, I actually have several things here. We do have someone with a hand up. However, uh, one of the things uh, in the chat room, uh, Erica commented that you all are so loving towards each other, and it made me think. This past week when we were over in Hollywood, uh, someone that attended the workshops actually came up and was talking about the radio show. And they commented on, and I don't remember what date it was, that there was actually a disagreement between Dr. Tim and, and Michael and how awesome you all processed <laughs> but how awesomely you all processed it right on the radio show for everybody, you know, to witness it and everything and they talked about how phenomenal that was, how you two worked together and everything. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out and I totally agree. Uh then another thing I got a a text from someone who has done this work before, her and her sister both, and she said She's from Michigan, and she said, I had a couple of interesting dreams last night where I was experiencing stress, and I ended up doing the forgiveness process and some deep breathing and moved through the feelings while I was still in my dream. I thought this was awesome. pretty cool. <laughs> and so, that's, um, what calls from, that's what comes from uh, engaging in the rule of the three Ps, practice, practice, practice. You do it in your dreams. All right. And she said she can't call in because she's at work, but uh, hopefully she's listening. And I wrote back and said that that was awesome and that our realities during our waking time come from the same place as our dream time, but it's just that during the dream time that the veil isn't closed so tightly over the unconscious. And I thought that was awesome. I think it's pretty cool when it just infiltrates into your sleep as well. And then I got another text from someone, and they said that they – their eye was twitching and what would you know that be what would the cause of that be and so i'm going to throw out a couple things and then i'll turn it over to you to answer that um the first thing that came to my mind because she said it was her right eye is uh i know one time when i have a phenomenal physician in bristol and when i had gone to him and i was talking to him about a tmj problem and i said you know is that something i need to talk to the dentist about and i was holding my right side And he said, well, he said, you know, energy enters from the left and exits from the right. And 
the left is female and the right is male. And so he said, so since it's your jaw and it's on the side that exits, what male in your life are you um, holding back speaking something to? So since it's her right eye, could it and it could it also be kind of in that same mode that there's some something having to do with male or male energy that she's not wanting to look at? But then physically, um, it says that you know when a there's a small tiny artery in the eye that if it gets irritated or whatever that then it irritates the facial nerve which causes the twitching and that that could be from alcohol knowing this person I know that's not the case and it says bright light or caffeine or fatigue or physical exertion and in and so I know this person works like crazy so it could be physical exertion or the bright light and yesterday she was out in the wind and it says actually that wind can cause that to happen as well. So I don't know if you have anything else to add to that for her. No, I would say you covered it pretty well, honey, and uh, right on track. Uh, One thought is that, you know, oftentimes a muscle, or pardon me, what causes a muscle to fire is an energy charge moving across it. So some worksheets around something that you might, as Jeannie said, might not be wanting to see or might have seen that you have a reaction to that's become stored in that muscle. And when it fires, of course, the muscle fires. And uh, and breathing into it to release that energy still point work is, uh, is powerful at removing things like muscle twitches and such. Okay. And then one other thing, and then we'll go to our caller. Uh, Dr. Tim, you often will mention, you know, just like you just did a few moments ago, on this October date show or this December date show or whatever, if you would send me a list of those that particularly stand out for you, I've been attempting to go back and, and since nobody else has volunteered to do it, go back and, and put notes in for different shows. And so if those if there's particular ones that pop out for you, I'll go back and look, and if they don't have any descriptor of that show, then I'll plug in you know, something about those in particular, since those seem to, to really be strong for you. If you do that, I would appreciate it. All right. I will compile the short list. Okay. You know, there, there are a lot of times over the past five years that wonderful things have happened, sometimes several days in a row, and yet, for whatever reason, October 14th and... December 30th of 2015, just really probably because we've been at it so long and refining it and staying open and people are calling with wonderful questions that it's refined to a different level. So I will I will add to that list if I can. Awesome. Thank you. And um, for those of you who may be listening, a uh, couple things that I'm excited about is, one, we finally, I think, have all of the – Uh, bugs or most of the bugs worked out in the online personal code evaluation and so those of you who are attending the intensive coming up this weekend uh, I have sent you links and so hopefully you'll go out there and get your personal code taken and and so we can get it scored and the reports printed out before everybody starts arriving so I'm excited that that's finally come together it's been a long haul for that one and it seems like our theme for this first nine days is going to be love of self michael that's the pattern that's it's evolving that's that's cool yeah that's a, uh, 
a good um, a good opening for some really deep work is to look at you know people in a, unable to maintain that space of love for themselves and and stay love in the presence of of thoughts and feelings about themselves so that'll make for a powerful codependence uh, intensive for sure yeah well all right so let's go to our caller it's area code 901 i believe that might be brenda it is brenda good morning how are you doing good afternoon (laughs) hey we're good young lady good to hear your voice thank you and i want to thank you for the uh, mind shifters that you gave me yesterday it was a very convoluted day but um, I also dreamt my mind shifters and worksheets in the middle of the night so I can identify with the uh, lady who texted in but today I wanted to mention when you and uh, Dr. Tim were doing the Mutual Admiration Society which I think is good it um, triggered me a memory this morning. I was listening to the BBC, and, you know, all around, I look for places all around the world that people are not necessarily using these tools, but are developing their own ways of uh, drawing us more into the con- consciousness. And this morning they were talking about, and it's probably, if you go to the website, the BBC website, you can find it. There's a former military man and his friend, I believe it was, have written, within the Israeli um, army, have written, produced, and are now showing a um, series, a television series um, in both Palestine and in Israel. And they are featuring all of the things, the atrocities and, and things that are going on there. And initially when I started listening to it, I thought, well, you know, this is going to be kind of interesting. But as I continued listening, I realized what a phenomenal thing that these uh, men are doing. And one of the uh, third program, I think, in the series involved telling the story of his girlfriend uh, 20 years ago who got stabbed. And then, you know, his reaction, everything. Apparently, they're doing these very, very realistic, but they're bringing in so much of the love connection and the humanness of the people who are involved in all of this. And one of the things that has happened is that the Arabic language schools in Israel are having an increase in in, in Israelis wanting to learn Arabic and the opposite happening in uh, Palestine. So they're getting equal response from people on both sides of this uh, perceived conflict that's going on. And I thought that it was pretty phenomenal. I'd like to find out whether or not it's viewable here in the United States or not. So I just wanted to toss it out that we sometimes get discouraged that progress is not being made, but I think that the work that you have introduced us to and that all of us are working on, as we know, touches every mind in the planet. And so I look at this as an extension of the work that has been going on for the last 45 years. So that's my comment for today. 
Cool. I'll, I'll look that up. It'd be interesting to uh, to see that. I know that there are. I've read several stories of uh, of men in particular who've been enemies with each other, and and in some cases killed each other's relatives, and who are now working together. Right. Yeah. So there's there's Great a, piece. a lot of movement. There's a lot of movement going on, and I, and I think it's just you know pretty phenomenal. So uh, yes. Let's get, let's get that family feud over with. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. The feuds everywhere over with. So anyway, all right. Well, I will continue to listen and um, uh, with anybody else who's calling. So have a blessed day. Cool. Cool. There's a, a really powerful video that you might want to check out. I think it's uh, available on Amazon. And it's one of those keeper kind of videos that you could watch over and over again. And it's called The Other Son. And it's uh, uh, an Israeli military man and uh, a guy who's a car mechanic who's Palestinian. And the wife of this man uh, ends up uh, in an Israeli hospital because of some kind of emergency. And then there's some sort of an attack that takes place and the babies get switched. And it's not until the son, the one son becomes of military age, and they, as part of the routine, they do genetic testing, and they come back to this military man and say, this is not your son, this cannot be your son. And they go back and find out that this Palestinian child has been raised by this military, this general, <laughs> thinking that he's his son, and, uh, and that this car mechanic has raised a military man's Jewish son. He's Palestinian and the family dynamics. So it's just really powerful and illustrative of healing and very sweet. So if you can get that, the other son, it's entitled. It's very powerful. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up too, uh, Brenda. The, this weekend we had a couple who was at the uh, the intensives all week. I shouldn't say this weekend. They were at everything we did last Sunday, Monday through uh, Saturday. And uh, they had just come back from Israel. And the uh, the gentleman said he really felt, and they registered. They were actually, we had a couple of people who were into the codependence that dropped out, uh, intensive coming up. And so they've registered for the, uh, the codependents are coming to the intensive on uh, starting Monday in Orlando. And uh, his stated specific purpose in coming is I want to learn this work on another level so that I can go back to Israel and Palestine and help to clean up the mess. So more and more happening. We have a gentleman in, uh, actually he just moved from Palestine to Hawaii, I think probably a year or so ago, who's working on translating the book into um, Arabic and bringing the tools to the Arabic world. So there's, there's definitely hope, definitely hope. And, of course, we've got uh, a young lady who, uh, gee, it's probably been five years ago now that uh, found Why Is This Happening to Me Again as a free download on our website, read it, started doing worksheets, changed her life, and she lives in Tehran, Iran. And mm-hmm. she translated the book into uh, Farsi. So, you know, it's available to anybody in, that speaks Farsi in the world, and in particular in Iran. So who knows who, what uh, what shifts and changes energetically can happen. And when I first wrote, why is this happening to me again, um, 
Warner Books, you know, Jim Redfield was a friend of mine, is a friend of mine, and uh, he took my manuscript to his uh, editor, and his editor said, Michael, your time has come, we want to publish this book. And, of course, I was very excited. This is the largest publisher in the world. Jim had the fifth, uh, the second best-selling book in the world in 1995, and they want my book. How cool is that? And then in a meditation, I'm shown a picture of the blue planet from space, and they show me this picture, and there's a spike coming out of the top, a tall spike. And what was explained to me was that if I did that, this work would spike, and it would then be visible, and they'd knock it down and get rid of it. And I was specifically told to keep quiet and just take, keep doing the work. You know, some people say, hey, Michael, why, why do you go to these places where, you know, you might have 20 people? Well, you know, I mean, you've been around for so many years, you should be talking to audiences of thousands. Well, actually, the guidance was just keep it going person to person to person. And then I was shown a second picture of the blue planet. And there was a thin layer all around the globe. And that layer, when it hit critical mass, <clears throat> excuse me, just grew to the size of the spike. And it was so decentralized that nobody could stop it. There was nowhere to aim, nowhere to, to put a stop to, you know, how do we heal the insanity to really truly bring forward the actual teachings of the man named Yeshua on how to forgive, on how to heal, it's been stopped at every corner possible in the world so far by people who become believers and will rage and kill people if they won't believe the same. You know, there's so many ways it's been destroyed. And so it's just quietly moving around the globe. And this little couple from Theodosia, Missouri, who have nothing except each other and, you know, just those tools, we just keep moving it, just keep moving it, just keep moving it. And, uh, we got the thin layer around the planet. You know, the book's now in Farsi, German, Russian, Swedish, Spanish. Um, let's see, what other languages are we in? A couple of other languages. We've got three or four other languages underway. So, you know, it's uh, just by moving it from one place to another to another. It's always fun to hear people. I've had people who, who traced the book that, you know, somebody was at a workshop in Kansas City and got it, and it ended up in Oklahoma, and from Oklahoma, it went to somebody in Texas, and somebody in Texas sent it to somebody who was in the service in the Middle East. And they, it's just, it's amazing to hear how it travels. And we just keep doing the best to make it available, and ultimately, to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And we're delighted for each mind, heart, and being that chooses to participate, chooses to support it, chooses to teach it to someone else, and take it farther afield. So, pretty awesome. That triggers a thought for me in that I yes. had the mic still on. Hello? Yes, I'm no, here. You're hear here. You. Yep. Oh, you can hear me or not. You're loud and clear. Um, I had never, I, I hadn't really heard that complete story before. I heard bits of it. But what it triggered in my mind is that those who are in fear and hostility use, and we hear this in the media all the time, they um, move their work through sleeper cells. Well, it seems to me that you have established a network of sleeper cells of love that are now spreading around the world. So that's awesome. Well, knowing, 
knowing how the NSA is re- is recording everything that everybody says, we might not want to use those key words or trigger words too often. But uh, but yeah, it's like you know, let's just keep moving it forward. <laughs> right, it's a bit of time. Well, there's actually someone else who has has been Edwin Griffin with his uh, organization has done the same type of thing. Is um, and for the same reasons, as you said, about the spike, it comes and then it goes. So you just move a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. It's getting powerful. Yes, we're on it. All right, well, thank you for your call. And we're, let's see, we're down to about six minutes or so. So, Jeannie, anything else happening in the chat room or anybody that uh, that has a hand up? No, no one has a hand up. There's several people out there listening, and the chat room's really quiet. Uh, I just kind of I thought of something that you know, um, you and I went to with this other couple went to a, a workshop on Sunday afternoon, and I didn't agree with a whole lot. Michael, you need to mute your phone. <laughs> um, I didn't agree with a lot that the lady said, but she did make one statement that I think really jives with what we say and it kind of stuck out for me and she talked about you know when we allow things to impact us whether it's a feeling or an emotion or whatever that comes up that it's actually showing us what we're already hostage to and I thought that was a cool thought to um, to remind us you know that we're already hostage to whatever it is that's coming up and so it's we should be willing to look at it and we did just have a hand go up Michael, are Great, you there? Great, let's say hello. Okay, awesome. I am, let's say hello area to our Area code 828, you're on the air. Hey, Michael, Jeannie, Tim, this is Jason from Mississippi. Welcome, young man. Good to hear your voice. Good to be heard. Um, hey, how about uh, the project? Uh, the project, yeah, it's it's moving forward. Um, rainy day, I'm, I'm inside painting again. Um, uh had another priority change. My mom uh, has a pretty large hernia that she's scheduled an operation for in February. So now I'll be um, shifting toward uh, making a ramp in place of the stairs on the front porch. So just another layer to to move through. Um, but um wanted to uh, to thank you all for all your support. small groups moving and, uh, you know, the, the slow unfolding of the process. Um, many people in the AA community here are really, um, I've got several meetings set up to meet one-on-one with people and um, I'm going to uh, have put into the announcements that I'm going to start a mind shifter group and, um, you know, if, if nobody shows up, that's fine. I'll I'll listen to some some radio broadcasts from you from the archives and and do my thing. But um, you know, I've waited and hesitated and second guessed myself for quite a while, and now I feel it's it's time to to do this and see what happens. Well, that's so. awesome. 
and I had, to, I had to find my mute button there. That's awesome. And any way along the way that we can support you, that's what we're here for. So cool. Fabulous. Yeah, thanks. And um, with that, I'm complete. I'll let you guys wrap it up. Jason, if you will send me your information on uh, when and where and all of that, that you have your support group, I'll put it on the website. Okay. I have your email address, and I'll do that. Fabulous. Well, we're down to about three minutes, so we've got time for a quick caller, if anyone has a thought for us. Any way we can support you? Otherwise, um, our, we have confirmed that uh, the codependence, gender dependence, nine day is filled. And uh, so there's no space left in that one. But we do have still a couple of spaces in Laws of Living. So if you're ready to take your work to the next level, the, uh, the Laws of Living intensive is about, as opposed to what men have taught us, you know, I refer to this so often. Vladimir Lenin says, you want to destroy a culture, change the meaning of its words. And we've been told that law is something you can make a list of. Well, just give me a list of the laws. I'll go study them, and then I'll, I'll follow them. Well, you know, that's just a little too easy. It's not how it works. The word law in Aramaic isn't about a set of rules that somebody laid down. That's Menon's interpretation so that we can pretend we're not under anybody's law. We are actually free and blah, 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 blah. But the fact is, you know, when you get up tomorrow morning, the law of gravity is going to govern you. You have no freedom. There is no way you can say, I want my feet to go up tomorrow. <laughs> there are laws which, if you know them, if you understand how to harmonize that with them and come into relationship with them, then you will live in liberty and abundance. If you do not know how to harmonize with them, and, and that's the whole idea of laws of living. Laws of living is a process-oriented intensive where we present a whole series of tools for how to remove anything that blocks you from your intuitive connection to the literal eternal forces of the universe. And as you come into relationship with them, everything shifts in an upward direction. So we're here to support you in having everything in your life shifting in an upward direction and recognizing that when we live as love, you know, Yeshua talks about the fulfillment of the law as love. When we live in that space, we're automatically guided. We don't, we don't have to figure anything out. It's just automatic that it comes through us. So the focus of the work is how to remove what blocks you from understanding and interacting consciously with those eternal forces. So that's what our whole Laws of Living Intensive is about. And as I say, there's still a couple of spaces. It'll start on the 18th of, uh, of February. And if you're, uh, if you're ready to take your work to the next level, Ari's excited. He's got some new recipes. I know one of them he was sharing with me yesterday is he's got a, a raw recipe for ginger snaps and some other things that he's been working on. So looking forward to that. If you want to come and play, we'd be delighted to have you. Otherwise, uh, join us tomorrow for the show. And if this is meaningful to you, if this has touched you in any way, you can download the archive from uh, yagain.org and uh, attach it to an email, send it on, pass it on to somebody who also might find it meaningful. In the meantime, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Love and continue.
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday.